I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode 253 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we continue our look back in our podcasting history as we discuss some of our biggest regrets in podcasting. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we anchor ourselves in podcast reality. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we give away our thoughts. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 253 of Better Podcasting. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is the man that you've shown up for today. That's right, SP is still here. Yeah, I'm still here, but where's this man that everybody is waiting for? I, I don't see this individual. <laughs> oh, we all know everybody comes for you, and they, they stick around and tolerate me in moderation. Well, I mean, we all tolerate you in moderation, like, all the time, but it has nothing to do with this show or <laughs> better podcasting tonight or this episode. Fair enough. Hey, we're here to talk about podcasting and we got a bit of a bit of a different episode this week, but we'll get there in a minute. Before we get to that, though, I just want to take a moment here and mention at the beginning of the show, we do occasionally like to do what's called our how I saved my podcast story. If you've had something go wrong with your podcast and you have fixed the problem, we would love it if you told us a little bit about it so that we could go and share that on this show. We would love to have you share with us what went wrong with your podcast and how you fixed it and have everybody hear all about that and maybe inspire them to try to fix things if something goes wrong with their podcast because things go wrong in podcasting and we would love to share that knowledge here on Better Podcasting. If you would like to do that, please email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or you can come to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D. We would love to hear your How I Saved My Podcast story for a future episode. As a public safety announcement, I know this episode might be timeless and you might be listening to it in the future at a different time during the year, but we are recording this in late June of 2021. And the very next holiday that's going to come out after this episode comes out, will be, at least in the United States of America, the vaunted 4th of July and Canada Day as well. And I just want to remind everybody as we're coming out of this pandemic to be safe this holiday season. I know you're all clamoring to get out. I know everybody's in different stages of lockdown still across the world. But the key here is in this midsummer holiday just to be safe because we all want you back later. And this is applicable to any holiday throughout the year but specifically this one, stay safe because I want to see you guys download the next episode after this. And I guess we should just acknowledge right now for the video viewer in there, and we'll explain for the audio listener that uh, sometimes when we do the episode before our 
our national days, uh, we have gone all in with, you know, American flag, Canadian flag, do a little bit of of uh, a, a battle there. But this year we've just kept it cool and calm and SP is wearing blue today and I'm wearing red. So we're just we're just keeping it all laid back this time. Yeah, we're just enjoying the summer, summer of 2021. And with that, we've got a great topic to get into. So, Stephen, let's get into it. Recently, after a question from a listener, the two of us got talking about some of the decisions that we've made in our podcasting lives over the past 10 plus years. And remember, we've both been podcasting for 10 years now and some of the regrets that we have in retrospect over those 10 years in podcasting. We're going to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to talk a bit about our personal regrets during our podcast endeavors and specifically why we regret it. Along the way, we'll cover a few things we might do differently if we were doing it today, but we'll also be sure we don't sound like a broken record when you pair it up to some of our recent episodes. Stephen, the first category that we're going to give regrets for, I I just had to do it once, regrets, (laughs) because every time I hear regrets, I got to go regrets. The first category we're going to go into is hardware. So why don't you kick us off there? All right, we'll start off with what I think is a strong one. It's one one that we've talked about before, and I've become such an advocate for this that I feel like I need to start off in here. And it's the fact that I did not switch to a handheld or individual recorder sooner than I did. Because if you go way back in better podcasting history, you might hear about the evolution of my podcast gear. And I started with my recording not being on a Zoom H6. No, instead I used a USB or Firewire audio interface or maybe a sound card with a software recording setup. For a long time, my sort of stable platform was using what was called a Cakewalk FA66 Firewire interface. This was an audio interface that went to a computer. And there were a few handheld recorder deals that had come up while I was using that. And I decided, eh, why, why do I need that? It's totally fine the way that I am. And the thing is, when I look back on this, I did get a lot of benefit by switching to a handheld recorder. It ended up cleaning up a bunch of cables. It reduced the need for having a whole dedicated computer, which is what I did. And also it made it so that it was a lot more reliable. Now, what did I get out of this trouble that I, I went through at the time? Well, let me let me say that I really don't actually regret the path that I took because at the time that I started podcasting, there weren't a lot of reasonable independent recording options available, dedicated hardware available. So the way that I did it was I ended up getting a second hand. It was, I think, government surplus sale or something computer that would run the recording and didn't run anything else on it and basically just ran that occasionally got the Windows update so that it was as stable as I could. And that was my dedicated recording computer so that I didn't have to worry about, you know, regular software crashing it and things like that. And I I worked my way up to that Cakewalk FA66. I started with some sound cards. Then I got a cheapo USB input, and then I eventually got to that audio interface. And so I, I, it ended up allowing me to evolve up to that multi-track interface, which again, at the time, 
was a lot more affordable than multi-track independent hardware. So I don't really regret the path that I took, but I just wish I had pulled the trigger sooner because once I did that, it was so nice to remove that computer, get it out of the studio, get rid of another thing to maintain and have such a much smaller profile. One thing that both Steven and I did, we came up slightly different, a few years apart from each other. And even back then, the technology was advancing a little bit more, or at least it was a little bit more widely known. And I started with a Behringer Q802 USB mixer and a Behringer XM1800S microphone. Now, these weren't bad choices per se. The combination of a mixer and a dynamic microphone are a decent concept to start with in any age, even today. But there was a better option available when I started in 2013, and there are better options available today. At the time, I would have chosen an Audio-Technica ATR2100 and a Zoom H4N recorder. Why? A lot of the same reasons Steven just mentioned, but the Audio-Technica ATR2100 was every bit of good sound that can come out of it as the XM8, or the Behringer XM1800S, or perhaps even a little bit better. Matter of fact, I will say it was better sound. But the key difference wasn't necessarily the sound. It was the dual USB and XLR outputs from the ATR2100 that made it a better choice. Now, why? Because of those dual outputs, I would have been able to use a Zoom H4n handheld recorder at the time to record the podcast from the start. I would have recorded my side on one track or recorded the other side on another track. And that would have been a more stable way to record just as everything that Steven mentioned. There was no Zoom H6 at the time, H5, H8, L8, P8, P8, P4, whatever back then. And if I would have started with that, the ATR2100 and the Zoom H4n at the time, I wouldn't have lost so many initial podcast recordings because I would have recorded both with hardware and with software at the time. So it would have had a backup and it was a way more portable setup than what I had with the mixer and with the microphone on a big floor stand and everything. So I think my biggest regret was starting with the mixer and the microphone first off the bat in terms of hardware and that there were better options available. Today, I would say that start with the Zoom P4 and then you could choose an ATR2100X or the Samsung Q2U or the AT2005. You could do that. I think that would be a decent way to start. But a little bit of the XLR and the USB capability in those microphones is negated by the fact that you have the Zoom P4. So you could start with even a better microphone like the Sennheiser MD46 or the uh, Blue Encore 100. You could choose your microphone in that setup that would only be XLR. But the key is that you would have that Zoom P4 to act as your interface with the computer and connect with somebody else. Now, if you're alone and recording, then it really doesn't matter. You don't need to connect over a computer, but that Zoom P4 would be great because you could record. And then if you wanted a guest to record, you can add an additional microphone and you could record through another channel. So I think today that would be where I would start. But back then, I wouldn't have started with the mixer and microphone. I would have started with a Zoom H4n and those USB slash XLR microphones. 
All right, well, let's go to another one of mine here, which plays nicely off of the whole sound thing there is in, in my hardware category. Uh, I, I regret going all in for as long as I did with the old MXL 770 condenser microphone test. I don't know if you know this, but again, if you go way, way back, there was a time that I was throwing the MXL 770 condenser microphone through the paces. I had many conversations at the time, probably with SP, about how this was probably a questionable decision, but I did it anyways. I wanted to give it a good run, give it a good try. And I, I really wanted to get to know what the condenser microphone experience was. And also, you know, it was a, a really good deal when I came across it that I couldn't pass up just to give it a try there. And I really did spend a lot of time trying to dial it in and find what was sort of the best fit situation. In fact, I actually started in one room and continued using it in another room. That's how long I let this test go. And that's really the part that I regret was I, I regret using it every episode for such a long time because what happened is the reason I switched rooms was environmental changes happened in my house. Kids got older, had another kid, had to move rooms and just ended up being that I had a noisier environment. And looking back on it, I found that there was more background audio in there than I would have liked to have had because of the problems that sometimes come with condenser microphones. And honestly, I just should have ended up doing things a little bit different. So what I really got out of it, though, was being able to speak to the subject matter, because we've had over the years, a lot of people bring up the MXL 770 and microphones of condenser nature in that price category. And given the amount of play that I had with it, I feel like I can really speak to, you know, some of the alternatives and some of the things if you are basically having this as your only real option because, you know, you bought it or you're gifted or whatever. I feel like I have some some real experience that I can draw on. But if I was to do things differently with this specific test, I actually would have gone all in for a much shorter period and then basically split my system because I actually at the time had had been using a Behringer Mini Mic 800 preamplifier. And I actually had a second one that I ended up reselling later, completely unused. And I really could have divided that up where for my testing, I don't know, maybe it was the Gunny Geek show or something. I went and I, I used the condenser and then here I, or, or whatever. I had multiple shows at the time. I don't remember which ones it was. I could have, I could have split that up and really balanced that dynamic and condenser test a little bit better by just using two preamps. But the reality is in, in today's world, in, in 2021, if this was actually looking at 2021, I probably didn't even need to do the experiment because truthfully, there is so many affordable dynamic microphones in that price range of that MXL 770, which was really popular for a long time, that I don't see why people would buy the MXL 7070 and I don't know that the relevancy is there today. So I would recommend some of the less expensive mics like like the Zoom or uh, or the uh, pod mic instead, which are kind of in that price category. And again, if you're going, well, those aren't USB. Well, the, here's the thing this is the MXL 770 is XLR only. So I just think like the whole thing doesn't really hold up. I, I don't even know where my MXL 770 is, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, there is this whole thing about getting started and using a USB microphone just because the hardware that you have, it interfaces with better and you don't have to worry about, oh, a mixer or audio interface or a special recorder or something like that. So I see the allure of going USB, but uh, as you said, that microphone isn't. There are condenser microphones that are USB and I love that test that you did 
because I remember the last time that you were recording on that microphone, the kids upstairs right above your head, we heard them all show and you were like, that's it. I'm not doing this again. I can't do it. It's got to go away. So that was the thing that you moved away. That microphone was the kids playing above your head and you could hear that. And then we can speak to it, as you said, to other people. Sticking with the microphone theme that we have in hardware right now, my biggest regret in a microphone was the Shure SM7B. <gasps> SP, you're dogging on the SM7B again. Well, yes and no. So the Shure SM7B was literally the first large diameter microphone that I purchased. I think it was the third microphone I ever purchased. I think I purchased the Behringer XM 1800S. Then I purchased the Sennheiser E935, and I think the third microphone that I purchased was the Shure SM7B. I did buy it probably before I should have and didn't know enough about microphones other than cost. It was the most expensive microphone that I could get my hands on that I could relate to podcasting, so I bought it for that reason and to try it out and try to advance my setup. It was the most expensive large diameter broadcast microphone that was in a price range. After that, it gets over $1,000. But I ended up giving it away because it was just a bad fit for me. It required too much gain for my voice. My voice, I want to emphasize that. It required way too much gain for my voice. I don't project as well as other people, and that's just inherent in my voice. And because of that, I have to give more gain into the microphone in order for it to accurately record the voice onto whatever system that I'm recording to. And that introduced some additional distortion into the output because I'm overdriving the microphone with as much gain as I could throw it into. Now, even if I could throw clean gain into it by having to turn the gain up so much, it introduced more ambient noise, just like Stevens MXL 770. And arguably, if you look at trade-offs, the Shure SM7B has less off-access noise rejection than other studio broadcast microphones in the first place. So I wish it would have worked for me. I really do, but it didn't. And that was a regret because I spent way too much money earlier on just trying to get the best microphone without really understanding both my voice and what I would need to do with the microphone to make it work. So not that the Shure SM7B is a bad microphone. It wasn't a good fit for me, and I regret just jumping into it. Uh, my next regret that I've got is a bit of a two-for-one. Uh, and by two-for-one, I mean it's two that I'm going to say back-to-back because they kind of tie in together. Uh, the first that I want to say is many pieces of cheap equipment that I've purchased over the years that currently sit in a drawer behind my backdrop. This includes things like cables that I thought I would try to set something up in some weird way that now sit there. Adapters to make cheap equipment work. USB sound cards, I'm sure I could probably go in there and grab a fistful of them. And just other things like this that I thought, well, you know, I'll do this. And then six months later, I went, okay, do it right, Stephen. So I, I got a bunch of cheap equipment that I've bought over the years because I tried to cheap out and then just realized, okay, you're not happy. Go with the, the real meal deal. Now, what did I get out of this? Well, obviously, I did get some use along the way, stepping stones, so to speak, so to speak. And realistically, sometimes now I will need a cable and I have the old bucket of cables that I can go and I can dig into. Uh, but really, mostly what I got out of it is that I have cables that I can give other people. I legitimately have 
regularly gone into the bucket of cables to give them to family. Uh, what would I do differently? Well, I would really, it comes down to better thinking through some of the evolutionary steps that I wanted to go, not being so short-sighted, maybe going, okay, Stephen, where do you see yourself going with this hardware upgrade path? What can you do to get by from now until six months from now, rather than going and buying something for six months or, you know, buying a cable that I later went and replaced with something that was shorter? Because at the time it was like, well, I can't wire it from this piece of equipment to the other. So I got to get this really long thing. But in six months, I could go and I could move one of the pieces of hardware and now have a much shorter cable with less interference. So things like that. But conversely, on the flip side, and this is where I get to number two, I also uh, regret not embracing cheap things as much either. And really what I'm saying is the right things. There were certain things that I basically set the bar too high. And in reality, I could have had some benefit by buying some cheaper things in order to have more long-term use. Here's the example that I'm going to give you right now is, is for a long time, basically, I said to myself, I'm going to get a microphone scissor arm. The only ones that I'm going to possibly get is the Rode PSA-1 or the Heil PL2T. Those were the only ones that I could afford that I would get. I'm not getting any of those cheap ones, those nearer ones, those generic ones. Not going to happen. Not in my studio. Well, here's the thing is I now have one, two, three of them in my studio. And I think I have a fourth in a box. And the reason why I have them now is because a sale came along. And I thought, okay, let's just see how, how they are. They're, like, quite honestly, I don't like them at all for a, a real good mic use day in and day out. They sag, they're loud, they're really hard to lock in, they're shorter than the two, uh, the road or the Heil ones. There's all sorts of things I don't like that I basically stand behind where I set my bar for my main primary scissor arm, but I found other uses for them. Like I have one that is sitting there ready to use with the BP-40 on a bench that I have in here for an unboxing video. I have a camera on one. I have one sitting here that every now and then when I want to go and play podcast with the kids or I want to go and throw a dynamic microphone quickly on during a live chat or, you know, a post-show chat or whatever, I can just quickly use that arm and throw a dynamic microphone on there. So definitely had some use for some of these cheaper things. But for a long time, I didn't recognize the use because it's like, nope, only going to keep these two things in my studio. Another regret that I've had along the way is might be considered a little bit too techy for a lot of people out there, but it really isn't. And just hang with me. It's not building my own desktop PC for podcasting. Now, I have built desktop computers before. I've helped my son build several over the years. But for whatever reason, I've been lazy when it's come to podcasting computers. And all of my podcasting computers to date have been repurposed, prepackaged gaming computers. We talked about it before on the show. And honestly, on paper, this should have worked far better than it has. The specifications were on par for the years that I bought them that should have worked for podcasting. And the main components seemed to be good enough. I did modify them with faster and more expanded storage on the hard drives each time, but each time I've run into issues. The USB bus, the internal USB bus became noisy, which is a problem when it comes to podcasting when you're trying to pass clean audio. I've run into motherboard issues that weren't able to do video or audio correctly, and I've experienced performance issues despite decent hardware specifications. Now, the last two times I purchased a podcasting PC, I bought refurbished computers, which could be part of the issue in and of itself. So I acknowledge that. 
So next time, odds are my next computer I will build myself. And I think I've talked about that on the show before. It's not that difficult to assemble a computer, but it is something you need to pay attention to. You need to pay attention to what components you're buying. You need to pay attention to what sort of airflow you're going to get through the case. And you need to pay attention to the cable management once you get all the components in there. But hopefully in the end, I'll end up with better performance. Now, when is this going to be? Sadly, not anytime soon. I wanted to, this is about the year that I wanted to try to upgrade my computer. And because of COVID, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because it's way too much money. So I'm going to have to wait another year, possibly two. And I'm going to have to limp the computer that I have currently, which does work, not probably optimally, but it does work. I'm going to have to limp it another year or two. So I'm going to have to buy more components, add more memory to it, add more hard drive disk space to it than I would have. So while this doesn't seem to be something that everybody wants to do, you can contract it out and it really isn't all that much more expensive than a prepackaged computer. And in a lot of cases, if you do a side-by-side build, PC build comparison, you're going to end up saving some money, even if you have somebody else do it. So that is a regret I've had through podcasting. I've never built a dedicated podcasting PC. Do you need to do it? No. In my case, it would add better performance. Now, the last hardware thing that I want to mention, and this is just the last one I want to mention today because I want to get on to some of these other things. I, I have, let, let's be clear, I have a lot more hardware regrets than what I've mentioned today, but these are kind of the, some of the ones in my forefront of my mind. The last one that I want to mention is a recent one. It's not buying a Stream Deck sooner. Now, I've talked briefly about this over the last year, and a Stream Deck is a piece of hardware that ties into your computer that allows you to do things. For this show here, the video show that we do, it allows me to control the video control software pretty easily. Like if I need to switch between showing myself to switching to SP and so forth and things like that. But here's the thing, it does so much more than that. And it simplifies so many things. I have a button set for for even um, launching certain programs when I get going. I have buttons for setting certain things that I need in order to podcast. I even have a button set for my day-to-day use of putting my computer to sleep if I know I'm going to be leaving the room for a little bit and I want to go and just, you know, not have it putting off a bunch of heat in the middle of the summer. There's a lot of use with this, and I haven't got into it yet, but editing is a huge um, benefit to this for a lot of people who use uh, shortcuts and keyboard shortcuts for editing. And I wanted to mention this one specifically because I know there's a lot of people who won't maybe have this exact use case for it. But I wanted to mention it because I think it's a good example on a new piece of technology, kind of knowing in your gut that maybe it is something that you want to do, but you kind of think, well, it's functional enough of what I've got there. And that's really what happened was I had other alternatives that I was using at the time. But even though my gut was saying, you know, you might get some more benefit out of this. It was like, I kind of talked myself into being happy with what I had. And in reality, it ended up being that the Stream Deck offered so much more for me. And I think if we ever get back to the time that, you know, tech goes on real deep discounts again, I might pick up a second one at some point because I, I actually have a use for two of them. Two of them or a bigger one? I probably would go with two of them just because of the layout of my studio. Okay. 
So along the line of Stephen's last couple of points, I also have a point uh, hanging on to unused gear that just clutter my house up and specifically the studio. Over the years, I've accumulated a lot of podcast related gear. A lot of the reasons for this was actually better podcasting. We like to dabble with the gear that we think will assist hobby podcasters. And that changes from year to year. There's new gear that comes out nearly every year that we would like to try because it's an assistance to hobby podcasters, low enough budget and enough functionality that it warrants us checking out. But between a host of unused ring lights, old, mi old microphones I'll never use again and old broken components, I have too much laying around right now. I needed to have a system to review my manifest of gear that I have in the podcast studio. If it's broken and I cannot display it, which really in my studio I can't, I need to toss it. If I can sell it, go ahead and sell it. If I need to hang on to it, I will hang on to it. There, so there's some reasons that I would want to hang on to th some things. And the Zoom H8 is one of those, even though I can't use it. It could be part of my studio at some point, so I want to hang on to it. But more than likely, I'll be divesting myself of a lot of gear from now until the holidays in 2021. I just wish I would have started sooner. So divesting myself of gear and the regret of just pack ratting it because of better podcasting, I think ultimately was a bad decision because some things you just outgrow over time. And I have no need to grab onto something and just wave it in front of the camera and say, hey, remember to using this about five, seven years ago. I guess that's nice visual, but I just don't need to do that. There's one other thing before we move on to the next category that I want to mention. And Stephen, you'll remember this story. It was when I bought that used MXL BCD one. Do you remember that, Stephen? I do. I, I, I remember very clearly. In fact, I believe I have lots of videos sitting on my computer that we never used. And yeah, I have it as well. Uh, so the deal with it is I bought a used MXL BCD one. And what we were trying to do at the time was look at microphones that were a larger diameter microphones that were affordable for the hobby podcaster. And as Steven mentioned before, the Zoom has a microphone out there now. Rode has a microphone out there right now. So there's much better options at lower cost than there used to be when we looked into this. But I was looking into this and I found a used MXL BCD one on, I believe it was Craigslist at the time. I think so. Cause didn't you meet the guy at like a truck stop or something like that? Yo, you keep on saying that every time <laughs> it wasn't a truck stop. It was like a McDonald's or a Burger King okay. or something like that, but it was like January and it was, it was really cold or December. It was really cold out and I didn't have a chance to take a look at it. And for those that haven't heard this story before, I looked at it really quick. It looked intact, looked a little used, but I was like, okay, I can use this. So I boxed it back up into the case. I brought it home and I opened it up at home and immediately I discovered a problem. It was a smoker's microphone. It's like, oh my gosh. And it was, it had accumulated enough smoke in there to keep a smoker satisfied for like two years of multiple packs per day. It was really bad. So I put it out in the garage. I opened it up. I actually left on holiday, I believe, a couple of days later and just tried to air it out the entire time. I got back. It still smelled. Matter of fact, my whole garage smelled like smoke just from that. And I regret not testing the microphone out in terms of the look, the smell, that sort of thing before I bought it. 
not necessarily a used microphone, but just the fact that that particular microphone was a really bad purchase. And I just wanted to mention that here when we were talking about things. That's, that's good. And by the way, if you didn't know this, we do stream our recording sessions live on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. You can go, join us at www.geeks.live. And I would just like to clarify something because I did have somebody asking something there. Uh, I do own a stream deck. Just to be clear, I do own a stream deck now. I I think I've had it for over a year and a half now, I, I believe. But anyways, I do own a stream deck. So let's just clarify that right now. But let's move into our next category here, which we're going to call some things that we regret about sort of our, the production of our shows over the years. And we got a couple things that will kind of tie on to this uh, in another category a little bit later. But the one that I want to start off here right now is taking things too serious, okay? I want to mention this right here, right now up front. I do believe over the years that I've sometimes taken certain aspects of my podcast endeavors too serious, and it's ruined some of the fun of my podcasting endeavors. I think there's a fine line between handling things like podcasting with slackers versus, you know, taking things just far too serious, almost treating it too much like a job. And at times, I have taken things too serious in my podcast endeavors, and it's made other aspects in my in my life suffer by that and also made some of the fun not as prominent in my podcast endeavors. Additionally, I think that sometimes I've made decisions based off of what would a professional podcaster do in this situation versus asking myself, what do you want to do as a hobby podcaster? In recent, I've sort of started to look at this aspect of my life, and it's really kind of helped highlight how in some areas I have really taken things too serious in my podcast endeavors. And I've tried to basically apply a bit of a less serious approach to my hobby podcast endeavors. An example of this is sort of looking at show development and a little bit more in touch with what a hobby podcaster would do in certain situations versus, you know, what the professional podcasting norm has said. For example, there was a time that I used to care and sort of craft some of the content to help bolster my podcast portfolio. To be honest, I care much less about that now. And this is something that I think translated into the delivery of certain content and subjects during my podcasting over the years, whether it's co comic book discussion or podcasting or anything in between. I kind of think that at times I spoke too much in an authoritative tone versus taking something that was a little more vulnerable. Because again, sort of, you know, uh, as a hobbyist, I think that the tone is okay to be a little bit different than if you're a professional speaking on a subject matter. Additionally, when I look at things like the old music podcast that I did and the comic podcast that I did, I kind of did things too long in those endeavors because I was looking at them through the wrong eyes. Wasn't looking so much uh, through the hobbies, the hobbyist lens versus, you know, I was looking more in the sort of what would a professional do in here? My biggest takeaway in all this is that I've had a few projects not take off. And I guess the benefit of sort of looking at it, taking it serious is that I can look at back at those and go, you know what? You took things seriously. They didn't take off it is what it is. I gave it a valiant effort. What I would do differently. Well, given how often we recommend people do this, uh, it's a little awkward for me to say, but I think going back and looking at things differently, I would probably have prioritized having fun in my hobby podcast a little more. Yeah, I said it. 
having fun is definitely keeping me in podcasting after 10 years, because let's face it, after 10 years, you're either launching a career or in the midst of a career, or you're just really having fun. So I agree with you, Stephen, having fun. Now, this next one, we kind of sort of covered already, but I want to cover this for a specific reason at the end. So the first thing that I did in my production of actually recording the podcast is I use Skype call recorder, MP3 Skype call recorder on an older PC. It's a, literally the first regret I had in podcasting was how I was recording the podcast. Now, back in 2013, I only knew of one option, and that was to use Skype to connect to my geographically separated co-hosts and record on a Skype recorder. I started with MP3 Skype recorder. I then went to Iver because it was more stable platform. Now, this wasn't necessarily bad by itself, but it did lead to lost podcast recordings with no backup. When one of those had failed, that was it. The podcast was gone. I wish I would have known of the Zoom H4n at the time, but I didn't. I did know of multi-channel Firewire options that ended up being way too expensive for me. Steven talked a little bit about that before. So I do regret starting with Skype recorders, but here is why I wanted to talk about this. I don't regret starting with the tools I had either on hand or knew of at the time. At least I did start podcasting. So that's what we constantly tell everybody. Yes, there are ways that we would start podcasting today, but literally start with what you have if you really want to podcast and then expand from that. If all you have is your, your cell phone and your buddy's cell phone, and the two of you want to record a podcast, there are ways to use those cell phones to record the podcast. I get it. Just get it done and have some fun and get those podcasts out. There are better ways to do it. There are better ways to use the equipment that you have on hand, but it is the equipment you have on hand. Start and start the recording and get those podcasts out there, which is what I did in 2013, and it was what you should do with your podcast today. Well, let's take a bit of a left turn here as we go into my next one here, which is I'm, I'm going to get around to a point here on this. And it's including profanity on the official gunnageek.com podcast in the early days. Yes, in the early days of the official Gunna Geek podcast, that's that podcast that SP and I do. Uh, it was actually before he was on the podcast. I had episodes that there was explicit discussion being had, but it was just profanities was what it was. And at the time, I thought that this was a little more natural, that it came off sounding more authentic. But as I look back on it, I realized I caved. That's the bottom line here is because at the time I had kind of felt like it was it should be a clean podcast. It felt like it would lend itself a little, a little bit better being a clean podcast. I had come from doing an explicit podcast that I think worked well as an explicit podcast. And, you know, uh, I had a, a bit of a discussion with some of the co-hosts and there was a couple of us on one side, a couple on the other. And eventually I just, OK, let's do it. Well, eventually we went clean with the official Gonna Geek podcast. And as I look back on that, I, I think to myself, oh, you, you should have just stuck to where you were thinking, which was keeping it clean, because now there are certain episodes that I don't throw in the RSS feed by default. They're not indexed just because if someone's going back for some reason in the catalog, I don't really want those in there. And in the end, what this boils down to is an example on making a production change against my gut feeling. And it's one of those things that 
it is a lot harder to go from an explicit show to a clean show versus the reverse. You know, having rolled for a couple of years is clean, and they go, okay, let's let's just do it. Let's let let's let the f's fly and and go explicit. And I, I it was just a, a not good decision. I didn't trust my gut, and so I wanted to mention it right here and right now. It's a great topic. I'm glad you brought it up. Now, the next two points I'm going to bundle in together. The first is podcasting on vacation. Oh my crom! I podcasted on vacation not once but a lot. Now, the key reason I did this was that I was listening to a lot of professional podcast advice back then, and there was no hobby podcast advocates when I started podcasting. The advice was to keep up the grind every week. Consistency was the key to growth, and it kind of still is, but back then it was you need to put out an episode every week. And in my case, with podcasts on TV shows, we had to record when they came out, and they were coming out when I was on vacation. But here's the thing. I personally didn't need to record. My co-host could have recorded without me, or we didn't have to record an episode at all. We could have come back and bundled it in the next episode. And with hobby podcasting, I believe, and I believe Stephen believes this too, it's more important to disengage and pay more attention to the family. You need that time to recharge anyway. And your kids are only young once. You are only in the places that you are vacationing sometimes once. You only ever be there once. So be in the moment and enjoy your vacation. Your podcast will still be there when you get back. Just don't take too long to re-engage with your show when you return. We talked about that before. Now, the second point that I wanted to bundle into that was similar, but a little bit different. So I just wanted to mention it differently. Editing during the holidays. This is very similar, but I edited during the holidays and I felt like I had to get the podcast out. Let me get you a little secret. Your audience will live without an episode for a few weeks while you celebrate the holidays with your coworkers, friends, and family. It's a secret, right? Be in the moment. Your show isn't important enough for you to edit while your family is doing holiday crafts in the room next door. And your audience won't be listening to your show anyway because they are spending time with their friends, family, and coworkers as well. So these are two regrets that I have that I wish I would have just not done, but I did them and I know not to do them ever again in the future. And it's one of the reasons we take a couple of weeks off around the holidays with both this show and the Goody Geek show. And I do not record on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. either during the vacation. However, I would encourage everybody to uh, not admit that you're taking time off of editing because number one, if you end up spending time out there, oh, look. Look, SP spent time away from his podcast to spend time with us. You look like a hero. But on the flip side, the more likely side, when the infamous family holiday fight happens, you could just go, quote, edit in, in the office. I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did. Uh, you know, there, there, are, there are ways you could sneak away to the garage, you know, or to the, to the bar as guys used to do back in the day. Yeah, you, you need some away time. You can't spend 24 hours a day with your family without going nuts in a lot of cases. I get that. But don't make that your prime focus. If you can just use it as a getaway, do it. But be in the moment with your family. And the last thing in the production category that I want to mention right here is I regret not starting podcasts of my interest or, or bigger interest sooner, specifically talking about the official Gunna Geek show and better podcasting. Here's the thing is I really, really took a while to get going on the better podcasting and Gunna Geek show when I did. But I also wish that I had started better topics of interest or things that were more of interest to me sooner. 
because at the time I was doing a podcast that I was kind of interested in. My, my interest had faded a little bit. I was sort of enjoying aspects, but there was other things that came to my mind. And when I ended up doing Gonna Geek Show and Better Podcasting, because I was so connected with them, I really, really felt totally different about my podcast endeavors and I had more fun with them. And here's the thing is now I've got kids, life's busier. And so I've kind of missed that opportunity that I had in my life to really try some of these other topics that maybe I could have tried as well. So I, I really regret not trying some of these interests sooner. And maybe, I don't know, it would have been the Gunna Geek show, but I just felt like I ended up holding on to things a little too long. I guess what I got out of, though, that decision was that I got to know a little bit what it was like spending time trying to refine a podcast and going through a whole bunch of things of a podcast that had been going for a while without the distractors of having multiple shows going. It's something I guess I can pull from now as I look back on it and really kind of associate that with having multiple shows because at the time I was only doing one show. So I can kind of look and go, okay, well, doing one show, you you can do X, Y, and Z, but by doing two shows, you can only do X and Y sort of thing. What would I do different? Well, I would tell my earlier self to not really get in a rut and be comfortable with being in a rut. And it's okay to branch off and, and try new things. That's what I would tell myself. And basically, the bottom line here is if, if your gut is telling you to try something else, I would encourage you to try something else and see if you like it. On the other hand, my regret <laughs> is having too many shows at once. This is something that wasn't a problem with Stephen, but you we're going to have to balance what Stephen just said and what I'm going to say. There was a time, once upon a time, that I was doing seven podcast episodes per week, seven hobby podcasts per week for free. I wasn't getting even paid. I was just insane. But I really loved the podcast. I really did. And I still do. Now, since that time, I've left a show. Well, sort of. I was guesting on a bunch of shows, uh, Gallifrey Public Radio, Walking the Walking Dead. I was guessing on all those shows, and it was about once a week. So I'm going to count that as a show. I ended a show, Voices of Defiance. I pod faded a show, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition. And I ended another show, Starling Tribune. Now I'm left with three shows, Better Podcasting, Gunna Geek, and Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And even with those three shows, my golden rule of hobby podcasting still stands, even though I'm violating it. Don't do more than two hobby podcasts per week. Your life outside of podcasting will suffer and possibly your podcast will suffer. And there's no need for that. So if you balance the let's try a different show out with no more than two hobby podcasts per week, that means that when you do branch out with another show, you need to make plans to end your involvement in another show that you're doing. If you combine the two that we just did. All right, well, let's move on to some miscellaneous items here. And I'm just going to rapid fire through them really quick here. Uh, number one, I regret not upgrading my desk sooner. Okay, now why did I put this in the miscellaneous section? Because my desk, I don't really consider it podcast equipment. But here's the thing is for my podcast endeavors, it was completely changing. I went from having a whole bunch of cramped space to being able to, to dedicate different space to podcasting versus my day-to-day -day use. It allowed me to space things out better. It was just a good decision for me. And I went far too long really being cramped with a bunch of things around me, having to try to 
balanced an iPad in a weird spot. I think it was on top of the mini mic that I referred to earlier. It was just not a good situation. And honestly, I didn't expect how much more open I would feel when I went to a more comfortable workspace. Like just recording day in and day out felt quite a bit different having that extra room. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention right here is that I actually regret not breaking away from podcast-related Facebook groups sooner. This is something I talked about that I did last year. Honestly, I, I didn't realize how much it was drawing me down and making me have less fun seeing some conversation that I highly disagree with and some conversation that I felt was was not beneficial to the podcast community. And so getting that out of my day-to-day -day life I, I really regret not doing that sooner. And the other thing that I mentioned uh, that I want to mention right here, which is kind of similar to one of the mo last couple things that SPA mentioned, was I, I regret podcasting through difficult times and difficult days. This is something that I've really started to notice about, about myself is that there was a lot of times that I would try to put a brave face on and, and podcast. And I don't think that it played well because there were times that I was maybe combative towards co-hosts when this sort of thing came up. Maybe in a comment, a gentle ribbing like we do often on my different podcasts might have rubbed me the wrong way. And I just think that it's something that maybe I should have given myself some more time to say, you know what? Give yourself the excuse to not do the show. And and I, I haven't felt like that in a little while, but there are multiple times that I can think about over my my years of podcasting that I probably should have just been transparent and said that to my co-host. So first of all, I remember the Leaning Tower of Podcasting. That, that was <laughs> awesome. Your previous podcasting desk. Uh, I'm surprised that I, I, I even mentioned to Stephen at one point in time, you do live in an earthquake zone, right? And he said, yeah. So you got all that expensive electronic equipment up on a stack, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I do... I remember that. And then uh, also, yeah, the podcasting through difficult times. There, there, there was one particular day that I remember quite well. And I'm not going to say what episode it was, but I was guessing on somebody else's show and I should not have been podcasting. I have not gone back to listen to that episode in a while, but I did listen to it several times years after it was. So we're going way back. I just should not have been on that podcast. So yeah, if things are going bad, do not podcast. So I'm going to rapid fire through a few of my things in this category as well. First of all, my desk. I love my desk. It's really nice. It was an original cherry wood desk from the 1950s, and it's a $6,000 desk. But it's not perfect for my application. It's too heavy, and it's prevented some home projects because you just can't easily move it. It's almost a fixture in the house. So yeah, I, I regret this a little bit, and I wish I would have gone to a more modern solution which would have been a lighter solution or maybe something I built myself that would look really nice, but that would have been a lot of time. And as we just discussed, I didn't have a lot of time a few years ago because I was podcasting too much. So yeah, it's a, the desk is just too big and, and someday I might sell this and then move on to something else. Another regret that I don't think Steven has mentioned yet is unreleased episodes. There are still some episodes of the Starling Tribune podcast that I've never released. I don't think that was fair to the people that recorded them or the audience of the show, but there were circumstances beyond my control and I wasn't producing the podcast back then. I still regret that the files were never released and I still have plans to ultimately go back and edit those shows and get them out just for the sake of getting them out. I know nobody's really going to care about them, 
but I, I do still want to do that uh, as a completionist, basically. And then another thing that I regret is I've never done any formal training for graphic creation. I'm not good at it and I'm not able to use the tools for graphic creation very well. So I, I need to get into that. That's something that I've said for probably a couple of years. And I, I just really need to do that because it would make podcasting, especially in 2021 on out a little bit better because graphics is a part of promotion for the show. And this last section that we want to mention right now is what we're calling recent regrets. They're things that are, are kind of emerging a little bit or have emerged in recent. And so they're, they're the fresh wounds, so to speak. The first one that I want to mention right now is uh, not launching other online podcast endeavors yet. I know it kind of contradicts a little bit of what I said earlier about being busy. But here's the thing is, there are a few ideas that I've had in my head that are like like so close that I could launch. And I don't think that I have properly looked at my time and my passions and, and figured out what I could do to make them happen. And I think about this a couple of times a year. And right now is one that I'm really looking back on it and thinking that, Stephen, I think you might be in the making excuses side of things. Another one that I want to mention right now is just a visual thing that I think that I should hold myself accountable right now because I've talked about it a little bit is not making time to change the visual in my studio. If you've never seen the video side of things, I have a backdrop that I've used for many, many years. I've had some ideas for a couple of times or a couple of years of how I want to change it. I've talked about it a little bit on the show. And, and the real reason it's a current regret is because. I built my own backdrop. I plan to build my next one with the own with the idea I have. It's going to involve wood and wood prices right now in June of 2021 are through the roof, so it's not going to happen this year. So I, I, it is a real recent regret on me. I, I really wanted to do that. And the last thing that I want to mention is this is this is probably my biggest regret that I can turn around here pretty pretty quick is not including my kids and podcast endeavors yet. I need to break that soon. Maybe it ties into first of the recent regrets, but I really, really want to get that going. And I don't know what it will look like. Will it be a podcast endeavor that really goes nowhere and it's just a fun exercise for us? Maybe, but my kids like to talk about my podcasting and my kids are getting old and I'm looking at them going, wow, you're getting old. And, and I know I'll say that my whole life for my kids. I've heard about that. Again, taking SP fatherly advice. But it is, it is a really quickly emerging regret that I've had over the last few months. So those are my recent regrets that I wanted to mention right now that have been sort of fresh wounds. Mine that I want to bring up right now is file management. It's kind of a boring one, but it's important as you go through your podcasting year after year after year. Part of the issue with having too many podcasts early on is other things have suffered. And one of those things is file management. I've got data on multiple cloud drives and in a file structure on my computer, only I could find anything on. I feel like I could have done better, especially on my own drives. And I would like to reduce the cloud digital footprint and the monthly bills that come with using multiple cloud services. So every Saturday morning, I spend about 30 to 60 minutes doing file management and I've got a long way to go. I have no end in sight. There's no plan that says I'm going to be done in a few months. This might actually take a couple of years, which is really scary that it's gotten this bad. I wish I would have started earlier to make it better earlier, but it is what it is. And I'm going to make it better slowly, a little bit at a time. 
And even if I'm not doing the same thing from week to week, I'm doing something to make it better every week. And that's a good thing. So for you people that are just starting out and you think you might be podcasting for three, five, seven, ten years, pay attention to your file management. It is going to come back to haunt you. So those are some of the regrets that are at the forefront of our minds as we went through those different categories. Reason we wanted to do it today was to show you that, yes, we do have the regrets, as SP said. I think that's what he said. But we we have, you know, been podcasting for a while and there's a lot of things that we've done wrong. And we hope that sharing those with you let you know that it's okay if you take a, a wrong fork in the road in your endeavors and maybe you can get back on the right path. And we hope that it also maybe sets you up to not make some of the same mistakes that we did. We hope that today's episode helped you a little bit with that. And we would love to know what are your podcast regrets. Get in touch with us through any of the ways you can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. And as we mentioned, we have a video side of this show. So it would be great if you sent us a video clip. You can come over to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can hit us up on Twitter at twitter.com slash betterpod. Or you can go ahead and make SP regret that I ever told you to find him in a parking lot. This is the Better Podcasting Download. Today's Better Podcasting Download, I'm going to put to SP because I know this is his passion. This is, he's the one that loves to talk about this subject. So let's turn it over to SP. First, I just want to say that if you meet me in a parking lot and you're a fan of the show, make sure you tell me who you are, that you're a fan of Better Podcasting. I will spend a few minutes with you, shake your hand if you're comfortable with it with COVID and take a selfie with you if you're comfortable with it. So yes, uh, you can approach me, but just don't approach me in a menacing way. (laughs) So yes, uh, I ran into this article on Medium by Michael Mignano, who is the co-founder of Anchor. It was a Medium article that was published on June 14th. And the title was Evolving Anchor Distribution to Meet the Needs of New Creators. So this was an interesting article, and just to condense it down, they said that they will only make an RSS feed if you ask for it, and they won't automatically generate one when you start your account for your show, and Anchor will no longer automatically submit to Apple Podcasts under its own account that is for you to do. So that's going to solve a lot of different issues with the space. There's a lot of dead shows on Anchor that this will inherently get rid of because there's a lot of one show wonders on Anchor and then just not updated at all. And then there's the whole issue with how Anchor is interfacing with Apple Podcasts now that the new Apple Podcast portal is out there. All the data that you can get from your podcast as well as the subscriptions that you can get. Anchor is not changing the fact that the show will automatically be distributed to Spotify because that is their own architecture. Spotify owns Anchor, so they're going to do this. So I actually think this is beneficial for everybody. It's beneficial for the hobby podcaster. It's beneficial for the independent podcaster. I think it's uh, beneficial for the professional podcaster. Because what this is going to do, it's going to reduce the amount of junk shows out there that are just not updated at all. Like I said, the one-hit wonders, literally the one-episode wonders out there. And you're going to get more data to the actual podcaster. And I, and I know why they did it. They they tried to make it easy to put your podcast out there to the biggest destinations. Apple Podcasts was one of them. But there was just so much that was wrong with that. 
I, I just think that Anchor continues to evolve to a point where I'm, I'm still not going to completely uh, advocate and say that they're a host that you should use, but it's gotten better over the years, and I'll give them that. I actually go the other way with this. I actually think that this puts a little more writing on the wall of the future of Anchor and Spotify possibly having an alternative purpose for it and maybe trying to funnel more of that traffic towards Spotify or set people up more like having just their show on Spotify. Because potentially, again, we've talked about how Spotify has taken over a huge amount of market share. People might go and create a podcast and get quite a bit of traction just through Spotify. And now it's a Spotify exclusive without being a Spotify exclusive. So I think that this might be an indicator that they are looking to steer away from the traditional podcasting course. Because if you're looking at the traditional podcasting course, the reality is in June of 2021, you need an RSS feed. That is what you need to be everywhere is an RSS feed. You don't need it for everywhere, but to be everywhere, you need an RSS feed. So they are by default getting rid of the thing that you need for what generally is podcasting in today, June of 2021. So I think that this obviously is combating something that we've talked about as well, that we've talked about all the dead shows on Anchor. We covered that in previous downloads. We've talked about the people that have been salty, like overly salt, more salty than us towards Anchor over the years. And they write all sorts of news articles with a spin trying to, you know, really make Anchor look worse than they, you know, look bad. Um, we've talked about that and some of that has stemmed from these dead shows, these, you know, one, one and done things that you've talked about that aren't really podcasts, but you'll just use the anchor tool. And I think that this is partially inspired by that to, to alleviate those concerns. But I think on the flip side, again, it is removing a very critical step in podcasting right now by default. And I don't know that that's a, that's, the best direction for that, which might indicate the direction they're going. And we constantly talk about the fact that the RSS feed is the heartbeat of your hobby podcast. And if there continues to be efforts to enable podcasting without that RSS feed, then that's a concern for hobby podcasters. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I will say, though, before everybody totally sends their hate mail or their hate tweets towards me, I do agree with what you were saying, though, the notion of um, there being more towards the idea of that, uh, of it being something we could potentially recommend with people. I've said that for a while that I, I think that Anchor is one that there would be a bunch of caveats, but they're in a better position. Like, I think they're in a better position now for me to recommend them with some cap with a bunch of caveats than they were before Spotify bought them. So I, I do agree with you on that. Yep. We'll see how long anchor continues to last. I don't know. I mean, it's a free platform, so I, I, I don't know how much longer it's going to last. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our better pod back. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. All right, we've got two quick things we want to talk about and 
The second thing has a couple of messages on it. And let's start off with the first one here, which comes from Damien the DM. And he says, every time you guys talk about your preprocessors, I wish getting that setup for a five-person setup wasn't literally a $1,000 plus investment on the pre-processing alone. And this is because we had previously in the Better Podcasting live chat, which is the companion podcast that we do to the show. You can check that out at betterpodcasting.com. We talked a little bit about the uh, preamps that we both use, which is a DBX286S, and how we feel that it helps clear up our audio and puts us in a better positioned uh, recording that we have. And... Damien, if you didn't know this, he does a podcast that has five people in it in person. So this would be a large investment for him to do that. And there was a bit of conversation that went back and forth on our Discord about this. But the bottom line is that there isn't really a good five-person setup at the moment for doing processing with gating and things like that. There's four. Roadcaster Pro, but beyond that, you don't really get that all-in-one sort of setup where you have that all in there. Yeah, you can record more than four lines on yeah. a lot of different devices out there, but it's the audio pre-processing that we're talking about before it's recorded to clean up the audio even before you get into post-production. There isn't anything that I know of that's affordable that is more than four lines in. And uh, yeah, Damien, I, f I feel you there because as I go to different cons out there and, and we have bigger panels that we talk about podcasting as part of the Get a Geek Network, uh, I, I've uh, outfitted six microphones, but there's no pre-processing on it whatsoever. So that means that there's six individual tracks, up to six individual tracks that I get home and I have to do processing on it or Stephen has to do processing on it. And it, it, it's an extra step that I wish wasn't necessary for larger than four. But with four or less, you do at least have an option. This next one that we want to talk about was from John S. Badger. Go ahead and read that out, SB. John says, so giveaways with the intent to grow listenership. How would you go about doing this process? What would you, as a creator, ask for to help grow your audience? I know that early on in Better Podcasting, Stephen and SP gave away a microphone in exchange for stories. How would any of you do this? The return on investment is likely terrible, but what method or methods would you personally employ for the greatest result, if at all possible? In the offhand chance SP and Stephen use this question in the episode, feel free to redact my name and not mention my podcast if you like. This is a legitimate question, not intended to mine your listeners. Oh, by the way, John <laughs> runs the Mercury Theater podcast, which I have appeared on twice. And I believe Stephen is either set to appear or has appeared once. It's a wonderful podcast. You should check it out. Mercury Theater podcast. But the uh, the the point of his thing here is actually to talk about the intent to grow listenership. So, Stephen, what do you got? Well, we had a response from Yakko or Yak Zero, and he says, we have done a bunch of giveaways. The ones that have worked best have been either to email an address we set up for it. That seems to work best for existing listeners. For non-listeners, I think social media posts work. We have used the hashtag to track and ask people to follow and reshare. 
Then we gather everyone that used the hashtag and using a spreadsheet, picked someone at random. So this was a, a post that obviously uh, Yako had mentioned there or that he had done. And here's the thing. In my experience, it's not been great ROI. I agree. It's not been great return on investment at, at all. Like, yes, we probably got some people by doing the promotions that we did. But for us, when we gave things away on Better Podcasting, it was mostly to, to show the listeners that we enjoyed their participating with the show, get some feedback for our, to basically grow the content in our show. I don't know that we got a lot of people into the show and we did social media posts. We had some photos that we did and things like that. I will be totally transparent here. Well, no, I'll be mostly transparent here because I'm not going to say what it is. There is a thing that SP bought that he said he wanted to give away on the show that I managed to procrastinate enough to get him not to give it away because I didn't think that it it was I didn't think we were going to get what he wanted out of it to give it away or that it would have really been something that we would have looked back at and gone, okay, that was worth giving away. And I, I, at the time, sort of that content generation had faded a little bit by some of our giveaways as well. So obviously there's that, the thing of awarding your listeners that obviously that was a huge success because every time the people that we gave things to has been genuinely uh, enjoy enjoyed it, and it's been great having those interactions, and that's been rewarding in itself to see people enjoy those things. But from a growing your show, I think the biggest thing that we've gotten was content generation around how we did these these giveaways. Was we'll submit uh, an answer to a question, and then we'll draw from there. So at first, you have to look at what is the purpose of the giveaway. So for better podcasting, I would say the purpose was threefold, probably in this priority. First was to generate content for our show or interaction with our listeners. The second was to give a piece of equipment out to a hobby podcaster that could use it in the creation of something in relation to their podcast. That, that was big because we know that not all hobby podcasters have a cash to buy the gear that they possibly need. And so we, we did, we gave away a lot of microphones like Samsung QTUs or ATR 2100s or AT 2005s. Anytime that there was a sale, I usually grabbed one and had it shipped to my house and we had it on hand so that when we had the contest, I shipped it from a, a local place that I could send it out for the winner of the content. And the third was to generate uh, some sort of bigger audience draw, the re return on investment that a lot of podcasters want. That third purpose, we probably did gather a handful of new listeners by doing that, but it was if that is your primary thing, you're probably, unless you already have a big product, like your Star Wars or your Harry Potter, or you're a big IP that everybody wants to have something from you, uh, unless you're that, you, you're just not going to get a lot of people coming to you saying, oh, I want this and then giving you something. And uh, the other thing that I will mention is you got to be careful about these giveaways because you could have entitled people just want you to give them something, whether they win or not. And that could turn toxic. So you just have to watch out for that part of it as well. In, in John's specific case with his podcast, I'd ask, 
okay, what is your purpose? What is your main purpose that you are trying to do this giveaway for? What is the amount of budget that you have for this giveaway? And would that budget be better spent doing something else with either content creation, you know, maybe some sound design for his audio drama, or maybe a commercial on, on one of the, uh, like overcast or something like that. Uh, so you have to balance that. And, and the third is that, uh, you just have to have fun while doing it. And, and I know he's trying to grow something out of this, but make sure you have fun while you're doing it. So if you're doing a giveaway, make sure that you make it fun. So that's my quick words of advice to John and anybody else that's worried about giveaways with their show. You know, there's one other thing that I just want to toss in there is I would be curious about the retention of the people you might gain. I, I'm, I've always wondered that. I know for Easter, got a really, really nice basket for the kids. Uh, my wife won a contest from, from somewhere, a nice little basket that a company gave away. And it had some treats in there for them. And they even gave us some cupcakes when we went to pick it up. I don't remember the name of the business. That's just, the truth is I don't. I, I knew it at the time to get there. Don't remember the name of it now. So I think that isn't that I just wanted to share that because it's a personal example on how didn't work. Their promo didn't work, but I'm, they made some kids happy. So I guess it worked in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it it was good while we did it. And, and we made sure that we stayed legal personally. And any business has to maintain the, the, the fact that they're legal in whatever country or countries yes. that you're running this with. Right. But that's the other thing. Uh, name recognition. So in that giveaway, if you gave away something that you still had today with that business name on it, whether it's a coffee mug, one of our coasters or something like that. If, if you do a giveaway and, and you send something with the name of your IP with it that they will keep. And that does not mean a sticker because most <laughs> stickers end up in the trash. I mean, I know a lot of people really love their stickers. I, I do. And a lot of people with Macs in particular, the MacBooks, they love putting those stickers over the MacBooks. There's only so many stickers that you can put on an individual computer. So just keep that in mind. Uh, so just different things to, to think of as you're, you're running your giveaway. You can definitely try it. Uh, your results might be wildly different than what we had results both here. And I've run giveaways on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. before as well. Stephen, have you ever run a giveaway on another podcast that's not Better Podcasting? Yeah, I did with the comic podcast back in yeah. the day. Okay. Yeah. So there, there was different varyings of success with each giveaway, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. Okay. But that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Uh, before we go, I will just let you know that we do have the Gunna Geek Network that we're part of. You can check that out at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. We also have the Gunna Geek show that we do that is not full of profanity these days. You can check that out at GunnaGeek.com. And also... If you didn't know this, SP does a podcast covering the Marvel Universe called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's covering Loki right now with his co-host over there. And Loki is a Marvel TV series that I've personally been enjoying. So I wanted to give a shout out there to you, SP. Yeah, thank you very much. I've also been guesting on some shows. Uh, Josh Liston, Dead Set Audio, so you can get his podcast there. And then uh, Heather Welsh, who we've had on the podcast before. She does a podcast, not just Heather. So I've been on an episode of that. So if you want more SP, you can find more SP out there. But more importantly, Josh and Heather are really good people. You should really listen to their show. They're really engaging. So uh, Josh does another podcast about podcasting called Dead Set Audio. You might want to check that out. 
So for episode number 253 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying thank you for listening to our regrets. We don't regret doing this podcast because we love you, the listener and viewer. I'm SP, just reminding you to stay safe whenever you're listening to this, and we hope to see you back next episode. Bye. See ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.